0: Welcome, everyone, to the Points in the Pain podcast, sponsored by Stadium, presented by Stadium, and we're Stadium's number one, numero uno, NBA podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein.
1: I, of course, am Zach Badger always in the house, folks. What's up, Ben? What's happening, man?
0: Zach, we're feeling good. We just talked to Joe Mullinax from SB Nation. He's the Grizzlies writer over at uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. Dot com That's the SB Nation for the Grizzlies. So we talked to him all about John ja Morant, Stephen Adams, where John ja Morant falls in the MVP race. Just everything for the Memphis Grizzlies. And he knows his stuff, so it was a good interview.
1: Yeah, Eddie dropped that bold prediction, which is really exciting. Can't wait for the he folks did. to really hear that. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you leave a voicemail after you hear this good point of good podcast. You know, leave that voicemail seven seven three two seven three nine zero eight eight. So once you hear that, want to hear your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies and what how you think they're gonna do after we heard from the good Joe Mullinax.
0: Yeah, he's been fun. He gave great information, and the Grizzlies are fun too.
1: So we're
0: we're rolling in it. It's a big Grizzlies episode. But before we get to that, Zach, let's go do through, through some segments. We've got a new segment too that we wanted to introduce. We'll introduce yeah. that in just a couple of moments. But let's start with one big thing. Our one big thing of the week. Just one thing. One thing. For me, I'm gonna go back to my doughy son, my little boy out in Denver. Mm-hmm. chonky man who's putting up ridiculous numbers. That's Nikola Jokic, okay. and I want to know. I am flabbergasted, flabbergasted, I'm beside myself. Besides how is okay. Jokic? <laughs> I'm I'm distraught, Zach. Because why is Jokic not considered far and away the MVP winning candidate right now? Why how is he not number one, number two, and number three? And I get Joel Embiid has been good. Joel Embiid has been putting up fifty burgers. Left and right, the first half of the season. He's been great. Steph, great start to the season. Played really well, but he's kind of on a downturn at this point. Jokic, that man just continues to push through. The man's putting up stats. The 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 last, what is it, two or three weeks, he's been averaging an unreal shooting percentage points per game. He scored 425 points, 211 rebounds, and 144 assists just in January. Oh, he's boy. the first player to do that, Zach. You may not have heard about this guy, but he's been the first guy to do it since Kareem Abdul Jabbar mm. in nineteen seventy
1: six. I thought you was gonna say, Well, still Chamberlain pause. I thought you was gonna say, Well, Chamberlain, but that's another Hall of Fame all time player, Kareem the Dream for show. Sure. So yeah, he's in good conversation. Uh, Nicole. He's is, been amazing. Mm-hmm. He's been great. He the so
0: this the Nuggets too, they're missing two of their top three players, right? Yeah. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, the Nuggets are still seven games above 500. He leads the Nuggets in almost every statistic imaginable. Points, rebounds, <laughs> assists, shooting percentage, three point, well, whatever it is. His last two weeks alone, Zach, 73% true shooting percentage, which is off the charts. 45% from three. Denver's six and one. I don't know why more people aren't talking about Nikola Jokic. Maybe it's because he's already won back okay. to back. People don't like it. <laughs> but he needs to be talked about more. That's my guy and I will defend him.
1: I feel that. You know what I mean? I understand that. But I just got to tell you, you know what I'm saying? If you look at, you know what I'm saying, we are betting individuals. So according yes. to the betting odds right now, he is number 2. So I just hope that I hope that makes you feel That's a little insane. better on on the betting side. So he's number two and Joel is currently number one as the favorite, you know, in Vegas to win the M V P award. Now man the MVP award this year, man, it's just so it's so up in the air. Like I gotta give credit to Nikola Jokic, right? Cause he has been balling. Like you said, like all this is just cool. He got the stiff, uh, the, all the stats to prove it. You know what I mean? And then you got, you got Joel B playing so phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? He's been stat of the week. He's been my one big thing. He's one, the thing I want to see. You know, he's been in every segment for me. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know Joel has played great. kd has been out, but you know, before he was playing MVP level, the month of January, for Steph was a rough month, so it that kind of put him down down the charts in terms of MVP candidacy. I would even put John Morant above Steph right now, even though I know Steph is coming off the forty ball, hold the fries, you know what I'm saying, the forty piece, forty piece. I know. Later. So it's a tough you know, game
0: to be coming off for us to say he's now playing well. But even Demar too. I don't want right. to. I don't want to forget my boy Demar for the Chicago Bulls. But I don't know. Yo Jokic. He's, I, don't, I hate to be one of those guys that's like, the media is not talking about this enough. But the, me, the media is not talking about Nikola Jokic enough. They need to keep talking about the Serbian king. Okay, keep They the need going. to I'll continue. Keep going. <laughs> he's, he's a legend. And I will continue to voice my support for the man on this podcast. Don't worry, listeners, right? I will always defend Nikola Jokic. <laughs> do boy. What's your one big thing of the week?
1: My one big thing of the week is a team that's oddly surging in a sense, if that makes sense. The Atlanta Hawks they've won like seven of their last eight games. Trey Young didn't play in their last game, so that so you know that's why it was a little rough for them. It's true. So they've seven of eight, not seven straight anymore. However, the bench mob for them has been the key reason to their success as of late. They've outscored their opposing benches like about a hundred points, just like 160 to 60. So you love to see that. They outscored the, uh, the Lakers team 44 to 27 in that last win that they did have. And so, you know, their offensive rating, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it ain't all that great. At number two, <laughs> so at number two, they, during that stretch, they've done a good job. And so the bench mob has come in, Rondo, you know, in the crew, DeAndre Hunter, you know, and those boys, Red Velvet, got to mention Red Velvet. If you don't know who that is, you're not watching enough basketball. That I know. love from Red Velvet. Red Velvet. There you go. There you go. And so, yeah, man, I love the Atlanta Hawks and what they're doing right now. They're trying to climb their way back in. That play in scenario, you know, they're trying to, you know, stay above in that pack, but this still is a team, Ben, that has fallen off compared to where they were last season.
0: Yeah, 100%. And we came in this season with high expectations. Through the roof. We, we were talking about hitting their, <laughs> their win total over. We were like, <laughs> it's going over for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they've been looking.
1: Vegas a poopy. might have been right. Yeah, Vegas was kind of right about this team second yeah, it, go around.
0: You, mm-hmm. you hate when Vegas is right about that stuff. <laughs> all right, let's do our uh, new segment, shall we? Just try oh, a little yeah. bit of our new segment. Our new segment is called Prison Time. Got our new sounder for it. And all little little lockup sound. Lock up the prison cell <laughs> because this segment is either it's going to be either teams, players coaches, mm-hmm. friends, what, what, whatever it is. They need to be in a slammer. <laughs> they, they need to be in prison. They, they need to be put away for a little bit of time because they mm-hmm. have just been terrible, terrible for the NBA, terrible for the fans. And I'm going to start with the Indiana Pacers. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm throwing First the Indiana team. Pacers in jail. And the way this segment goes too, Zach, is if you disagree with me on anything, we get we get one get-out-of-jail-free card a month. All right, So we, we'll do four shows a month, and we'll do prison time. And if one of us says something else that we disagree with in this segment, Play your uh, get-out-of-jail-free card, and we'll, and we'll flip it around. There, you can make the case that for them exam. to stay out of prison. <laughs> but I'm throwing the Pacers as a team in jail. They have been truly disgusting. Just a, just a really, really bad basketball team. And I'm saying this after they're coming out of a win against the Clippers on Monday, where they looked okay. The Clippers were coming off a back-to-back. They looked tired. It was the last game of, like, a seven- or eight-game road trip. So I don't know if that really – Improves the standing of the win for the Pacers, but they've That's had in right. out, they've had Miles Turner out, they've had Sabonis out, they've been suffering injuries, but then on the other side, they've had Miles Turner complaining about the team and saying that no one really believes in him, no one's given him a <laughs> chance to star. The, the GM talked about how Sabonis needs, they need another player because Sabonis isn't a true number one guy, which obviously piss the bonus off, which is not what you want to do if you're a GM of an NBA team. Right. The, the players don't seem to really get along with each other. Karis LeVert, I don't think, is the player a lot of Pacers fans expected when he came to the team. It's just all falling apart, and they've only won 19 games this season. They have had some really, really bad losses. Their defense, Zach, oh, yeah. their defense gave up 155 points to the Charlotte Hornets. I'm throwing throw this team in jail. Get them out of here.
1: Okay, yeah, we can we can throw away the key, too, uh, until they can get their act together because they have not played well, the Indiana Pacers. They oh. have definitely been struggling. And, you know, what's what's tough about it is, you know, that lineup that I talk about time and time again that we'll never get a chance to see. We'll never see Michael Brogdon and Karen no. Savard and T.J. Warren and Sabonis and Miles Turner all in the lineup at one time. With yep. Lance Stevenson, hell, boogie coming off the <laughs> bench as the sixth man, you feel me? But in all seriousness, like we will never see that lineup, so we'll never ever know what this Indiana Pacers team was capable of, because it sounds like by February they're looking to move some of these pieces we've mentioned, Miles Turner, Sabonis, LaVert, so Will's, Michael Brogdon, maybe. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, but this does look like a team, the Indiana Pacers, that are tanking to go in a different direction. They do.
0: Yeah, it looks like they're, they're done. They're, they're, they're looking like they're, they're done with the season, trying to get as many losses as possible, get everyone out of here, get some draft capital from Sabonis and Turner and maybe mm-hmm. even Brogdon if they can, start all over, get a, get a new group together, which makes sense if they don't think this group can do anything. Cause clearly it doesn't look like they can. <laughs> and even if they could, injury wise has been killing them. Like they, they have really been struggling injury wise. So this might be the time, get rid of the team. Get some draft capital. Draft some new guys. They did a good job with Duarte. He's been solid. He's been a really good addition. So they yeah, can clear the yeah. draft well. So we'll, we'll see what they do. You have another team. You want to get you want to get in the slammer,
1: get in the prison. Yeah, I mean, I gotta throw this team in prison, man. They they haven't been playing well. You know, they got all type of drama in the locker room now. And then this was a team that I was just super high on in the beginning of the season. You know, this is a pro Kyle Kuzma podcast. But I gotta throw the Washington Wizards in prison, man, because they just have not done what they were doing early on in the season. As of late, they are thirteen and like twenty three since I was so high on them earlier. In November, and on that show in the on the podcast, and I am very upset by that record thirteen and twenty three. That is more. in shambles, they don't want in the locker room. According to reports, I saw it on New York uh, New York Post. Spencer Dinwiddie isn't a favorable player in the locker room right now. It sounds like his teammates want him off the team. And yeah. I even, and he even spoke on, you know, the leadership or lack thereof. And he said it was about accountability. And so he was trying to hold them accountable, but he wasn't playing well. And so I think if you're trying to hold, you know, players accountable and you're not playing well, that can kind of be a point in the finger and, you know, situation all in the end.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem good in D.C. And I think we're going to see a lot of changes for that team come trade deadline time and Bradley Beal's been out and injured and I know a lot of DC fans are not very happy with Bradley Beal too which is kind of crazy to hear that they're kind of finally turning a little bit on Bradley Beal it's just a mess in DC and they we talked about them like week two week three and we're like the Wizards they they're looking good they're they're looking like they may be the surprise of the NBA and then
2: the rest of the months
0: came and (laughs) people saw them play (laughs) and they just didn't play well. So it, it's, it sucks for our Kyle Kuzma watch because that was that was hype for the first couple of weeks. We were really on that, and Kuzma was playing well. He, was having- he still
1: is. He still is. <laughs> but they just are not as a team. No,
0: <laughs> oh, they're not as a team. So, yeah, Pacers and Wizards, they're our prison teams. I think what we should do, too, is every single week we could take a team out of prison. They'll be in prison for the week. If they if they show if doing a something good play, maybe <laughs> maybe slip us a couple couple dollars here and there, we'll take them out of
1: prison. Yeah, that's we'll put them a w we're gonna put them out on bond. They're gonna be out on bond. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we'll we'll take some teams out, throw more teams in, throw players, whatever it is. So that's a new segment for us. Let's go to an older segment, Dunker Deny, which buy or sell. Um uh, my denying of with the wizards. Yeah, I'm I'm denying the wizards, and we talked about them, so I kinda piggybacked <laughs> off that. They're just – they're that bad. They have to go in two segments, two negative segments for this podcast. But I am dunking on Slam Magazine. They had DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine on the cover today on Tuesday. Had them on the cover.
1: I did see that too.
0: Looking all muscly, looking strong, looking representing the Bulls. Like Mm -hmm. they're back. The Bulls are cool again. They got DeMar. They got Zach. It's just great to see them finally represented on a cover of a really widely read NBA magazine.
1: Oh yeah, yeah! Shout out to the Slam magazine, you know what I'm saying? Nets for a very long time, high school stuff, whatever. You know, so they always got the basketball content, just as high school, college, and mm-hmm. NBA level, obviously. With the cover of Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, you know, what I'm saying top team in the Eastern Conference. They're doing their thing. They both averaging over 25 points a game. Yeah, shout out to Demar Derozan and Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls as they continue to climb the Eastern standings.
0: I love it. So it was good to see some representation. So I'm dunking on Slam Magazine. Good job Mm -hmm. to everyone at Slam. Good cover.
1: (laughs) And then I'm going to be dunking on the all-star starters, which includes who? Demar DeRozan and also Trey Young, Kevin Durant, which I'm trying to figure out, Being who are they going to have to replace him? And he's a starter, and I believe he's going to be a captain, too. So that's something yeah. I'm curious about. And then they got the Greek freak, my boy Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid and starting at the five. Well-deserved, I believe, by all five of these guys. I think all five are well-deserved starters. What you think?
0: No, 100 percent. I, I, I mean, you look at that and you see that's a list that is hard to disagree with, honestly, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Western Conference you and know, the guy you're denying.
1: Yeah, the guy I'm denying is, man, listen, people probably take this the wrong way. And, I, you know, I was I was the guy that was kind of big on Wiggins early on in his career. But I just sure. do not agree with with Andrew Wiggins being an all-star starter in fans the Western Conference. Man, he got all the them fans, fans out them. there wherever where the guy on the social media with 7 million uh, Twitter <laughs> followers and like 14 million Instagram followers promoting him to be an all-star starter, which is how he got so many fan votes. So it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I personally believe that it should have been Karl-Anthony Towns. Over him and then you could have put LeBron at the three, cat at the four, Nikola Jokic at the five and kept the guards the same with John Moran and obviously Steph Curry. Or you could have even did this. You could have had Paul George, a guy that had played well prior to injury, him listed as one. And then because I believe if he had been healthy, he'd have been a starter. Like it would have been the two guards, Paul George, LeBron and the Koliokas because of what they were doing before he got hurt. And so I think those two players could have been mentioned over him. And then you could have just replaced Paul George with someone else as a starter.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree with that process. I think that's a really good way to do it. But people love Andrew Wiggins. They mm-hmm. want to see Andrew Wiggins, and <laughs> NBA is going to give the people what they want. I don't know if it was like some guy in his basement with like ten I computers. I told you what every, happened. <laughs> every hour he's doing doing Andrew Wiggins. It's it's kind of wild. Um, you want to let's get to the interview
1: with Joe oh, Mollenax. Yeah. Let's talk with
0: Joe. SB Nation. We talked with him about the Grizzlies, John Morant, Stephen Adams, everything in between. Mm-hmm. So here's our interview with SB Nation's Joe Molinax.
1: Let's introduce or welcome back good old friend from the for the points in the pain podcast. He was on before the season started talking Memphis Grizzlies. And, well, we want to welcome him back because that team is hot. That team can look like it looks like a contender. Let's welcome back Joe Millenax of the SB Nation Grizzly Bear Blues site. Welcome back.
2: I hope everybody took the over. I think that's one of the things we talked about last time. I hope everybody took the over as predicted. Jaron Jackson Jr. is most improved. Maybe not quite as sexy. Uh, defensive team, perhaps. But, no, I, I think that this team is the most fun to watch in the NBA right now. I know Cleveland's had a really good year. Charlotte's got good vibes. But I think, dare I say, and I'm old and lame, so I'm going to ruin this <laughs> probably for a lot of people, the vibes are immaculate right now when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. They truly are. I
0: think we
1: would
2: agree,
0: right, Ben? <laughs> oh, 100%. We're big Grizzlies fans now. We're
2: all in. <laughs> Not really much to, to hate on. You know, they lost yeah, to Philly yeah. on Monday night. But even on a night, and we were talking about this, I had uh, Monica McNutt a ESPN on our podcast, GBB Live. And we talked about how even in a loss, right, like where they, aside from Desmond Bain, they shot one for 20 from three or something like that. And they played just terribly in multiple ways. Kudos to the 76ers. They're a good team, even without Embiid. They competed well. Harris and uh, Maxi, in particular played really well. But my point is, even with the Grizzlies not playing well, they pushed that game to overtime. You know, they are a competitive bunch. They're a tough out. And I think that even more than the win-loss record, you know, I think last time I was on with you guys we talked about the long term, right? The long term view of the team. That's yes. still true. Even though they have the third best record in the NBA, okay. It's it's not an accident, but again, the fact that they're the third best record in the NBA shouldn't distract you from the fact that their best players are 22, 22 and 23 years old.
1: So, Joe, when we first had you on, you know, expectations weren't really that high they were not and so what has stood out to you from either the 21st the first 25 games and then even up till now as we're like halfway through the season what stood out the most to you
2: i think stephen adams not being washed has been kind of an underrated okay kind of an underrated storyline because desmond bain obviously has been phenomenal and jaron has been a legitimate all-defensive team player. There's multiple guys on the roster that have overperformed what we expected the last time I had a chance to talk with you guys. But I think in the Grizzlies, whenever they're asked about it, they give him credit as well. Whether it is his elite offensive rebounding, he's one of the top offensive rebounders in the NBA by percentage, by raw numbers, you watch the games, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. You measure that with his getting comfortable defensively, He's doing much better on that end than he did at the start of the season. His passing is a lot better than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, he's having a career year as a passer. Him and Desmond Bain uh, are giving off some serious, you know, Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley vibes going back to the grit and grind days. Uh, and, and it sounds crazy to say that comparing Steven Adams to Marcus Gasol, but some of the passes he's made have been Gasol-esque. So okay. uh, I think that there's a lot of guys you could talk about in that space. But Steven Adams, especially for a team like the Grizzlies, who struggle still in half-court offense, that's one of their weaknesses. The fact that he's such a strong offensive rebounder gives them additional possessions and negates that weakness somewhat. So Adams is kind of the unsung hero. Bane and Jaw and Jaron and these other guys get a lot of the credit. Adams does a lot of the dirty work, and he does it without having to have the ball in his hands.
0: So let's talk about Ja for a second because he has been skyrocketing not only in his ability to play but skyrocketing up the MVP charts in terms of odds to win MVP. How much do you see him possibly winning MVP
2: and what type of season have we been seeing from the guy this year? He's getting to the point now where you're comparing him to like Jordan and and LeBron and Kevin Durant. At the current streak that he's on scoring at the age of 22. I mean, he's having a Derrick Rose-esque season, that MVP campaign that he had. It's similar in that, in the gravity of it. Does that mean he's going to win the award? No, I don't think so. I think Joel Embiid has been ridiculous, and Nikola Jokic has been even better than he was yeah. his MVP year. Um, I, I think it's those two guys, maybe even Giannis. Uh, it's their award to lose. But Jaws in the mix, and I, Steph Curry has cooled a pretty decent amount in terms of how he's shooting the three ball in particular, so... I don't think it's crazy to say that Morant's a top five-ish, top four, maybe even candidate for the award, and he's 22 years old. He is second in the NBA, I believe, in points scored in the paint, and he's a six-three point guard. He is just remarkable to watch on a night-in, night-out basis, and he does so much that helps the team, whether it's developing a mentality, whether it's the way that he physically uh, attacks the rim, his improved three-point shot, You know, even more than his MVP candidacy in this current season, you're seeing growth in his game. And that's one of the things I talked to you guys about last time. it's, It's happening a lot faster than maybe we thought it would. But a lot of these guys are showing that development, showing that improvement that we hoped they would show when the season began. They're just doing it on a almost exponentially larger level than anybody really anticipated.
0: How do you feel about the comparisons to a guy like Derrick Rose, for example? Because a lot of people have started to compare him to D. Rose. How do you feel about people doing that?
2: I'd have to go back and watch old D. Rose film, to be honest with you, to have a better answer. Just off of my memory, I feel like, and this maybe will make some Memphis people mad, in my head, I just feel like Derrick Rose was a little bit more explosive. In my mind, I feel like he was a little bit more uh, explosive to the rim, like maybe even a little bit faster than Jaw. But to counter that, I feel like Jaw has a better handle. And like I said, maybe I don't remember peak D. Rose as well as I should. I think Morant's handle is extremely undervalued. The fact he can control his body, move the way he does, fast, slow, change that pace, and still maintain a pretty elite dribble. uh, To me, that's really impressive. And I think that that's better than what D. Rose had. So the comparisons make sense. I think that Ja has more tools in the tool belt in terms of his offensive skill set at that stage than Rose did, but I think Rose may have been an even more explosive athlete if that makes sense
1: so what two of the sleeper guys on this team, and you mentioned one of them. Um, with uh, Desmond Bain. But I want to talk a little bit about the 10th overall pick, Zaire Williams. He's kind of carved out a role a little bit as of late. And then Dylan Brooks, when he returned, just tell me like your thoughts on the rookie and even those two guys that I mentioned with Brooks and Bain and how they're going to uplift this team once they're all, you know, playing core minutes.
2: That's an interesting question. I don't know if Zaire Williams has core minutes once this team is fully healthy because of <laughs> Dylan Brooks's return. Uh, Parker Fleming is one of our writers, associate editor over at GBB, and he wrote about the the villain Brooks effect and what that's going to mean in terms of that rotation kind of adjusting and changing as time goes on. Um, I think that when you look at Zaire Williams, he's a young talent that has shown flashes growth. He's not just a corner threat anymore. He's able to attack off the dribble. He's had to draw defensive assignments like Steph Curry and, and other elite players. In the NBA at the age of 20, given his frame and his length and his ability as a perimeter player to be able to keep those guys in front of him. So I I think that while Zaire has done some good things, there's no denying that before he got injured, he rolled his ankle pretty good earlier in the year. Uh, Before that happened, he was statistically the worst rotation player in the entire NBA. And that's OK. He, he was a young player who the Grizzlies knew he was a project when he was selected. He has the tools. It's about applying those tools. So if he kind of falls out of the rotation as the playoffs, get closer, it's certainly not going to be an indictment on him. It's going to be more about the team as long as they don't make any major moves at the trade deadline being so deep that your 10th or 11th man on the roster is not going to see much run in those stretch crunch minutes.
0: So Joe, I'm not super, of course, in the Grizzly sphere of media, but it seems to me kind of looking from the outside in that head coach Taylor Jenkins hasn't really been talked about a ton considering how good the Grizzlies have been this season. This is his third year with the team. They've obviously made huge improvements every single year. He's been the head coach. What's been the difference, do you think, from him this year? If there has been one, of course, Jaws improvement is huge, but you know, how much better of a coach is Jenkins this season?
2: He's very good at creating an environment for his players to thrive. Um, He's really, really smart in terms of how you can tell they run a scheme, like they have a system where they want to get out in transition. They want to get points in the paint. There are things that they're really good at on both ends that you know that's a priority for them. But the end result, how they get there, he kind of allows the players to almost kind of freestyle in a way. And I don't want to make it sound like he's just letting them go out there and run whatever they want because he's not. Uh, there's clearly a structure, but he allows for the players to be part of that structure. And I think between the relationships that he's built over these last few years, John Morant trusts him. Jaron Jackson Jr. trusts him. Uh, I, I'm not privy enough to the inside or the inner workings of the franchise to know if they love him in quotes or <laughs> not. But I, I do know that they respect him a hell of a lot, and they talk about him as a coach of the year candidate. They speak highly of him in terms of the trust that he puts in them and for a young player we got to keep in mind he's been dealing with one of the youngest rosters in the NBA the entire time he's been the head coach of the grizzlies there's been all sorts of chaos going on around that team and obviously this is happening for everybody but from you know the murder of george floyd and all the things that were going on that summer of 2020 the bubble um the pandemic this has been the most tenuous time to be a coach in the history of sports and if you are going to or in the history of modern sport, probably is the best way to put it. Um the, World War II would like to have a, a conversation, <laughs> um, but at least in the last 50 or so years, it's the most tenuous time. And now you're looking at a place where you're trying to guide these young people through all these circumstances. Oh, and by the way, we play Philly on a Monday night. You know, I, I think that we underestimate how important that's been. And for a veteran guy, for a veteran team. If you got LeBron and Anthony Davis running your show, uh, or Chris Paul is the leader of your team, then maybe there's a little bit more steadying that can happen on the floor. The Grizzlies' veteran players this season are Kyle Anderson and, <laughs> and Stephen Adams. So I think that that's you know important to point out. They're 28 years old, and that's their vet. They don't have anybody over the age of 30 on their roster. So that's really a a, a point to point out is how he's had to be so much more than just a basketball coach. And even within that scheme or within that uh, viewpoint, excuse me, his schemes are clearly evident.
1: Do you believe the Memphis Grizzlies need to make any necessary moves before the trade deadline this season? Yes
2: and no. You guys are going to love me. I'm remarkably consistent. If, (laughs) if the goal is for them to make the Western conference finals, then the answer is yes in my opinion, they need to make a trade. But if you remember correctly, that's not the goal. And they have done nothing to deviate from what they believe the goal is. The goal is continued improvement. The goal is to put themselves in a position, you know, whether it's Woj or, you know, Shams or any of these folks coming out that are, you know, newsbreakers in the NBA, Mark Stein, whenever they talk about the Grizzlies, it's like with an eye to the off season, right? Like Mm. like looking ahead to 2022 summer, um, it seems like they're kind of positioning themselves to use the increased flexibility that teams have around the draft to really maybe make that move if they're going to make it at all. But you look at their roster, guys. John Morant, I think, is pretty clearly a number one on a championship team. Desmond Bain might be a number two offensively. Jaron Jackson Jr. looks like a defensive stopper. This team's starting to give off Golden State Warrior early years. When you have Steph Curry, you have Clay Thompson, you have Draymond Green. Obviously, Kevin Durant put them over the top for that really elite part of their run. But is it possible that they've already got the pieces in place and they just need to try to find ways to put as many good, talented fits around them as possible? I think that the next several months are going to tell us a lot about that. So if they want to be a championship contender in the here and now, they need more perimeter scoring. It can't just be Desmond Bain. Um, They need Jaron to be a better shooter from three at a better volume than he currently is. But at the same time, that's not the goal. At least that's not been their stated goal or their achieved goal in terms of working towards it since this began. They have their eyes on something larger, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be something that happens within the next two weeks.
1: Okay. So what's your new Bold prediction for the Memphis Grizzlies this season. I think mean, you gotta have a new one now, you know. <laughs> sure.
2: No, I, I think that's fair. I think my new bold prediction is John Morant's gonna be first team all NBA. And, and the nice. only reason that that's bold is that means Luka Doncic isn't. Or, you know, Chris Paul isn't. You know, it's gonna be Steph Curry and John Morant. And I I, I really or DeMar DeRozan isn't, you know what I mean? He's going to go above and beyond Trey Young. Some of these already kind of established stars and jaw is going to further cement himself as one of these elite NBA players uh, at the ripe old age of 22. It's pretty cool to see. So I think, you know, just saying he's going to be all NBA. That's not bold anymore. John Morant's pretty clearly going to make the all NBA team and get that sweet supermax money that comes with it. Um, I think that it'll be bold to say he's going to be recognized as one of the two best guards in the NBA, because in my opinion, he is right now. Okay.
0: Yeah, hard, hard to disagree with that mm. right there. Mm. Joe, we appreciate you coming on, Talking Grizzlies. Uh, where can people find your work and find you on Twitter?
2: Of course, they can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Mullinax. I'm the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, which is our, our Memphis Grizzlies blog for the SB Nation network. You can follow them on Twitter, or us on Twitter, at Grizzlies www.grizzlybearblues.com we cover every game got great features we got a podcast network with four podcasts that come out uh, right. regularly every week um, we, we built up the staff and the site pretty well and and I'm excited for uh, you know when the team's good business is good so hopefully folks <laughs> yes. keep coming yeah, and checking like out all the content <laughs> over at grizzlybearblues.com all right Joe Molinax Let's appreciate you joining us thank you guys have a great night all
0: right appreciate Joe coming on Always fun to talk to. Good bold prediction too.
1: Oh yeah, good bold prediction. What's that? All NBA first team, first team. You think so. Sound familiar? Like Tony Allen, first team, first team, <laughs> all NBA. So yeah, I like that. I'm hoping. I hope it works out for John Moran, too. I think he. I think he'll yeah. definitely put himself in position if the Memphis Grizzlies continue to play the way that they've been playing.
0: I 100% agree. I, I it would make so much sense for him to be first team, and at the and how young he is too. Yeah, it's great. I'm I'm excited. He's such a fun player, man. He's like so fun to watch. He's so electric and he's a fun personality. He's a good guy, a fun guy. He interacts on social media. It couldn't happen to a better person than John Morant.
1: Yep, and he doesn't back down either from opposing teams, you know, and they don't back down, you know. That's the kind of culture that Memphis has always been, right? You know, what I'm saying, young or veteran, you know, no, no guy on that roster backs down from the opposing players. They're playing against the Lakers. They're playing against Bron talking trash. You know what I mean? Like who talks trash to the King, right? Memphis Grizzlies have no problem doing that whatsoever. They're playing. Hey, the when you're winning,
0: when you're winning, all's good, all's mm-hmm. happy. All right, world famous segment time. Zach's game of the week. You are eight and
1: four. I am. And let's try to get job this. last week. Mm-hmm. Easy, baby. Philadelphia over the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? A.D. return. No problem. And A.D. AD was balling, too. You know what I'm saying? I give him mm-hmm. that. You know what I'm saying? Remember I said last week, things we want to see is my main man, A.D., play at MVP level. Ooh. He was at an all-star, you know, superstar level, you know, last week. But they ended up losing. It wasn't enough. I mean, it's yeah. Joel, you know what I'm saying? He came in, did what he was supposed to do. He didn't get that double-double in a win. But he did get that money line play of the week, though, folks. And so for that's this all that week, matters. You know what I mean? And so this week, money line play of the week is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to run it back again Ooh. this time. And it's going to be over the Dallas Mavericks. Your boy, Luka Doncic, takes an L this Friday night. It's going to be a <laughs> national televised game. Jason <laughs> King had them boys defending. But I don't think it's going to be enough for Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate, as the Sixers money line over the Dallas Mavericks.
0: So you are going against Dallas again.
1: Yeah. After I to losing. This would be, be like 2-1-1, though, because I was one, and then I went Memphis over. Remember, Memphis lost. Then I went, yep. against, I went against them again. You went against them again. And I won. And now we're yeah. going to try again for to best going two out of them. three. You know what I'm saying? All two right. out of three. Let's see what we can do. You
0: hate, you hate the Mavericks? Go Friday. six this weekend on Friday. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's roll. Got the bankroll going.
1: Mhm, and that's hey, listen, that's gonna be three in a row if we get it too. So you know, yeah. so that's gonna be real pleasant on Points in the Paint Podcast. That's true. And so that's going to conclude, folks, this edition of Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. Follow us at Points Paint on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And make sure you follow us, Zach and Ben, respectively, of course, on our social handles on Twitter. Now, you can catch Inside the Association with Cameron Smith and Shams every Thursday. For inside the association, all your news around the association, remember that trade deadline is approaching. So you do not want to miss Shams when he drops those Sean bombs about where players are going to be going, packing their bags, maybe. And make sure, listen, sharp lessons. You got to listen to Sharp Lessons with Nate Jacobson and Ben Wittenstein as they give you the best bets of the week. And you don't want to miss on Stadium.com their article as well as they give you their bets. And I believe the day of the podcast, when this releases, you'll be able to go on Stadium.com and review Ben Wittenstein's bets for the night. And don't forget, Tape Don't Lie with Michael Felder every week talking all things football as the season gets all through through the off season free agents you don't want to miss all that talk michael felder baby and you'll hear from us next week